Welcome to episode number five of Sports Stars Magazine's newest podcast, Know and Go, an Ask the Experts show designed to be an information resource for high school athletes done in participation with Golden State Orthopedic and Spine. My name is Chase Bryson, the managing editor of Sports Stars. Each episode will be welcoming a new professional for a conversation that we hope will help and inform the athletes, coaches, and families who listen. We're bringing on physicians, trainers, coaches, and athletes as the series grows. If you have a question or a topic you'd like to hear discussed or a question you'd like answered, make sure to listen at the end of the show for various options on how to make that happen. While our first set of episodes focus on injuries and treatments that likely aren't going to affect every athlete, this week is a different story. This episode will be welcoming Dr. Nicholas Abidi, an orthopedic surgeon for Golden State Orthopedic and Spine who specializes in lower extremity care. And our focus today will be ankle injuries and ankle injury recovery. Whether you're a high-level athlete on a college trajectory or a recreational athlete like myself, You've almost certainly dealt with an ankle sprain at some point. Dr. Reedy has certainly helped mend several ankles over time, from professional to amateurs alike. So let's welcome him in. Welcome to the show, doctor. Thanks. Good to be here. Uh, so before we jump into our uh, questions, uh, we typically like to start uh, by having our experts tell us a little bit about their passion for sports medicine and, and working with young athletes. So why don't you go ahead and start there for us? Right. So um, I'm an orthopedic surgeon. I, I operate on hip, knee, and ankle elective and trauma surgery. I used to practice in Pennsylvania at the Rothman Institute. I was a professor there for a couple of years. And when I was there, I took care of, I was fortunate enough to take care of local teams, but also the Phillies, Flyers, and Eagles. So I spent a lot of time uh, personally um, spending time in the OR and the field and uh, in the locker rooms taking care of those teams. And in California, I've taken care of high school and college teams and uh, then pro athletes in the clinic, um, not on the fields. So we take care of a lot of teams, but also I mostly take care of recreational athletes, I'd say, you know, on the majority of the basis. So the pro teams sort of teach you some things a little bit, but those are extraordinarily outer space, NASA, weird <laughs> treatments, which don't always apply to everybody. And I'm not sure that it extrapolates always or that it's valid for normal athletes, but um, we take care of a lot of career athletes and recreational athletes are the most important ones, I'd say. All right. So uh, today, like I mentioned, we're going to we're going to talk about ankles. Uh, and if you play sports regularly, you probably wrenched or twisted an ankle at some point. Uh, I've done it several times playing basketball and slow pitch softball. Luckily, there's only been a few times where I've actually had to leave the game afterwards. So the first question I have is what are the signs that an ankle injury may be worth getting looked at? Right. So good question. So I twisted my ankle on Saturday. I was uh, <laughs> for a half marathon. And uh, we were in Henry Cal Park and I stepped off the trail for a second because I got distracted by my dog or something else. And first of all, the most important thing is be in shape. So the fact is that I'm trained for half marathon. I run every night or I train on the elliptical. I lift weights every evening and I'm on my legs 18 hours a day for standing for surgery and whatnot or clinic. And so number one, be in shape. Number two is if it swells or hurts to bear weight, you should see someone within the first day or two, um, either an urgent care clinic or your primary care doc. Swelling isn't a good thing, and uh, you can treat it yourself initially by wrapping it up and holding your foot at a 90-degree angle. Uh, that generally gets rid of most issues in the short term, but if you can't bear weight on it, go on crutches and go get an x-ray. So we talk about something called the audible criterion. That is inability to walk three steps without limping and having pain in the back of the ankle, the back of the malleoli, which are the structures in the side of the ankle. And if you've had repetitive sprains and you know what it's like, just because you can't feel it isn't a great idea. It's still maybe the fact that you sprained it so many times that your nerves are stretched out. And that's so it isn't a good indicator when you keep on spraining it. If you have sprained it a lot, the more you turn it, the more you're going to start breaking pieces off of the joint. That's what leads to arthritis. 
So when we see people after initial injuries and they haven't had rehab at all sometimes, that's called an incompletely rehabilitated ankle IRA. And we see those a lot. And so in the United States, there are 27,000 ankle sprains in the US every day. The most common reason for a trip to the ER, except for headaches. And um, at one point, uh, people will go to the ER for everything. They don't do that anymore. And only about 5% really need to have surgery. It's not really a big surgical thing. If it's not treated initially, though, non-operatively with bracing and physical therapy, then a larger percentage of those patients need to go on to have surgery because they have a lot of problems after ankle sprain that doesn't just involve the ligaments. What actually, without going into supreme technical terms, what actually physically happens when you sprain an ankle? And are yeah. there different levels of severity? Yeah, good question. So when you sprain the ankle, your foot turns inward, uh, goes underneath your body, and we call it inversion. It means your big toe kind of points towards the other toe, and then you sort of roll over your ankle, essentially. So you tear the ligaments in your ankle, generally called the anterior talofibular ligaments and the calcanofibular ligaments, and those are on the outside of the ankle joint. And ligaments connect bone to bone, and they're static structures. They're only supposed to stretch a little bit. They're generally thickening of a capsule, a normal capsule of your ankle joint, when they go to a certain point and they fail, they rupture, they stretch out like saltwater taffy and then they give out. And then the tendons kind of take over to fight that. And your tendons, if you're in good shape, can prevent that excursion and stop it from snapping, which is why you need to be in good shape before you do athletics. But if they travel really far and your ankle goes underneath you, if you're sprained it a million times, then you tear the tendon also. And the tendon controls the motion, attaches muscle to bone. So tendon attaches muscle to bone, ligaments attach bone to bone. And ligaments should be static. Once they're torn, they're really never normal ever again. You really work on rehab to build up your tendons to compensate for that a little bit. So they're grade one and grade two and grade three. Grade one is a minor strain of the anterior talofibular ligament. Grade two is a further stretch where you have a little bit of instability of the anterior talo and the calcanofibular ligaments. And grade three is they're all full thickness rupture all the way through for all three of those things. And then the perineal tendons might be torn in those cases too. Generally, I see grade threes or I see chronic, uh, incompletely rehabilitated ankles. So often, uh, you know, if we if you pay attention to co college and, and professional uh, professional athletics a lot, you hear of high ankle sprains, and are those typically and those typically tend to have longer healing times. It seems. Um, what's different about them, and why is the recovery period slower? Right. So high ankle sprain is where the foot turns outward. And that tears all the ligaments that connect the two bones together, your tibia and your fibula. And they take longer to heal because there's four layers. And when they blast through all of them, um, it really creates a lot more damage to the ankle and the foot. It also has a higher incidence of cartilage damage. It's a more violent injury. Um, when it blows through the ligaments that, that get stressed out when your foot turns out and they rupture, your ankle joint really doesn't have normal contact pressure anymore. It's not just going up on edge. It's almost dislocating pretty much. And they have about a 30% incidence of cartilage damage, which doesn't go away uh, sometimes. And they take longer to heal just because there's more ligaments involved. And sometimes they separate enough where they really should have had surgery for it. And for some reason, those, those aren't treated as successfully non-operatively. Grade ones are where you don't go through all four layers. And grade twos might be, but grade threes definitely need to have surgery. We tie the two bones together with the rope system. The Know and Go podcast is presented by Golden State Orthopedics and Spine, formerly Muir Ortho, Webster Orthopedics, and Ortho NorCal. Whether you are a little leaguer, pro athlete, or a world-class grandparent, you can get expert care for sports and other injuries, painful joints, and much more with the compassionate doctors at Golden State Ortho. Visit them online today at goldenstateortho.com.
so once the, once an athlete has been diagnosed with a severe sprain, um, what's the treatment method, the standard treatment method, uh, and the standard recovery time? So every athlete's different, but we look right. at the shape of their foot, high arcs, low arcs, that affects things. People with a crazy high arch will sprain over and over and over again. So we want to make sure, first of all, rest, ice, compression, elevation for any injury. Holding the foot at a 90 degree angle, no matter what happens is appropriate. So we use something called an ASO lace-up brace. We don't always have to use big boots or clunky things. We just want to hold them at 90 degrees because when your ankle's like that, it actually is very stable when your foot's at a 90 degree angle and that protects most things. And so we start with an ASO lace-up brace and warm and cold contrast. So 15 minutes warm, 15 minutes cold in two different buckets and then physical therapy to re rehab the perineals and the other muscles around the ankle to prevent recurrent injury. Every time the ankle slides out, it's a highly congruent joint. It doesn't really wanna come apart. Every time it slides out, it creates more damage to the ligaments and the cartilage at the edge of the joint. And when most people have a bad ankle sprain, they don't just damage the ligaments, they actually do bruise the cartilage. And most people heal that, but say 5% don't heal the cartilage part, that results in something called an osteochondral defect, which leads to arthritis if it's not treated. So because you, you've talked about here a few times, uh, uh, just those who continually resprain um, and have reoccurring sprains. Uh, I'm going to skip, uh, skip ahead one question here because we live in the Bay Area and so many of us are Warriors fans and we all wince every time Steph lands awkwardly on one of his ankles, right? Early in his career, he had reoccurring problems with this and he had to have it surgically, surgically strengthened, right? So what are some of the issues you can face if you suffer multiple sprains like that? Yeah, so multiple sprains, those kids usually grow up playing from like age eight, nine, 10. And they just, that's part of life, unfortunately. I just had one of my nurses who came in who had the same thing where he played basketball as a kid and they don't feel it after a while. That's why he keeps on landing on the side of his ankle and doesn't really feel it. When you go through the locker room and, and I used to take care of University of Pittsburgh and then I examined them and the University of West Virginia for some reason on the same day. Um, <laughs> a lot of them have uh, high arches and they also land on the side of their feet. And when they do that, you can break the base of your fifth metatarsal and something called a Jones fracture. And those got, kids had fractures they didn't even know they had. They're just walking on it because they don't feel anything because they've been spraining their ankles. Your ankle has a, a nerve on the capsule which stretches out as a, as a kid. And if it stretches out, that reduces what's called proprioception. And proprioception means the ability to feel your leg in space and on the ground and it improves your balance features. When you're landing on the side of your foot all the time, a lot of your proprioception is gone. You don't even know you're landing on the side of your foot. It just becomes habitual. And so in those cases, People break off pieces of the bone called the talus in the ankle joint, as well as parts of the fibula, in addition to damaging the cartilage inside the joint, and that creates what's called osteochondral defect. When that happens, you go into arthritis. So those people have big spurs on the inside of their ankle joint because their ankle constantly unlocks and they have huge spurs. Last Friday, we had six patients that we did operatively. They're all different stages of disease from all the way from young to old. And the youngest guy is 30, has been playing AIA basketball or playing in that league before you maybe go into pro. And uh, although now he's an HR consultant, but uh, people have too much damage early on. They can't play sometimes. So uh, those are things we see is arthritis, basically. And in the U.S., we call it soccer player's ankle overseas. We, they call it footballer's ankle. So it's not unknown. It's a pretty common thing, actually. And uh, it happens when people play pediatric athletics and then go on to continue to sprain their ankles. And basically it's ignored, which it was a lot 20 years ago. It wasn't really treated aggressively in younger people because we didn't have MRIs you know, 34 years ago. Now we have MRIs, we're MRIing children, and we can see that they do actually sprain their ligaments. It was thought as little as 15 years ago that children don't sprain their ligaments, they actually break their growth plates. And in reality, they do sprain their ligaments. 
in episode two, we talked with Dr. Bader a little bit about how video analysis can help identify young athletes who may be more susceptible to ACL injuries. Is there any way to predetermine if an athlete is more prone to ankle injuries? A couple things. Uh, number one is tall, lanky children who show up for sports camp uh, generally because they have big growth spurts. They're more susceptible to many injuries because they don't have control of their bodies. Their musculoskeletal tissue, their muscles don't catch up diameter-wise to control their height when they have a big growth spurt. So they're definitely more susceptible. And children who have a high arch. So people who are under-conditioned and people who have high arches who showed up to summer camp, we looked at 1,000 kids, and the incidence of injury without any uh, 15, 20 minutes of pre prehab with a TheraBand a week or two ahead of time led to a 50% lower injury rate hmm. because they had much better proprioception. They had better reaction times. And people who wore a compression sleeve who have a history of knee and ankle injuries without any type of metal or plastic inside had also had a lower incidence of injury in the West Point cadet studies and the Naval Academy studies because their muscles reacted faster and they had better proprioception and better control over their joints. So yeah, a little bit of compression on the outside adds and, and reduces reaction time, number one. Number two is that a little bit of training goes a long way. So that's how we identify them. We don't necessarily have video, but it's a high arch, tall, lanky person, previous history of sprain, poor musculoskeletal balance, sometimes neurological disorders like the Special Olympics, and then people who have hyperlaxity or loose joints, which is the Special Olympics, children with Down syndrome or hyperlax. And they're the example of having loose joints constantly. Their incidence of injury, neck, spine, lower extremity is very, very elevated because they slide out of their joints very easily. When you're recovering, when you're in the process of, of rehabilitating or recovering, are there any issues that you can run into um, as far as re-damaging it more easily? I mean, obviously, it sounds like once you've done it a couple of times, it's pretty easy to, <laughs> it's pretty easily going to happen again, right? If you continue playing the sport at the level that you're playing. But what, what kind of issues can you run into during rehabilitation that some people may not think about? So, so during rehabilitation, um, if the swelling isn't going down, especially by six, eight weeks afterwards, and there's sort of a window of your ankle on the inside uh, towards your arch, and a fluid is still coming out of there, that's when people have uh, osteochondral defect or there's damage inside the joint, not just the ligaments. That can happen during the phase of recovery. When you're hitting the six-week mark, you should be getting better by then, generally. You're able to do straight-line running, typically even with grade three sprains. And if you can't do that, then it's got to be looked at for bone and cartilage bruise or a tendon tear on the side of your ankle or an Achilles tendon problem as well. So you look for those things at about six weeks afterwards uh, or sooner, depending if it's, if it's severe. Gotcha. Well, at that point, we've had plain x-rays. You know, we get plain x-rays on those patients to see if there's something weird going on. There's a whole host of persistent problems after ankle sprain. And sometimes it involves getting x-rays. And generally, we'll get MRIs by the sixth week uh, because we're worried about someone not recovering in that phase. We don't MRI everybody. Um, all Most ankle sprains don't need to be MRI. They're going to get better, like we talked about the numbers. But persistently or recurrently, we do get MRIs early on if someone has a chronic history of sprains and they're not recovering. And that pretty much wraps up most of the questions that I had written down ahead of time. So I guess I'll have you close the same way we, we have with other doctors on the series and, and just simply ask you, What's your favorite piece of advice to give the younger athletes who are recovering from an injury or, or trying to prevent one? You know, just prevention. Basically, prevention means being in shape. And, and the thing that changes is that when you're younger, you know, my son's soccer team and my daughter's soccer team, when they were 10 to 12, before they had a big growth spur, they may have had a couple of spurts. Their center of gravity is lower. Um, they don't have any issues with stretching or hydration. And they forget that when they beat about 10 or 12 years of age and you're in Gilroy or up in Scotts Valley, you know, where we are. 
and you watch the football team and they get dehydrated really quickly and they don't understand why they have an elevated level of injury. Hydration with low sugar Gatorade or Propel ahead of time the day before prevents a lot of things like concussion as well as injuries, period. And we don't do that enough with our kids. I, I try to, but I can't, we can't be everywhere. And then stretching. When you get to have a growth spurt and you're a teenager, the thing that nobody seems to do adequately is stretching. Stretching is important. Conditioning is important. Hydration is important. It hasn't changed. That's the thing. <laughs> you know, wearing reasonable shoes, not fancy, ex super expensive things all the time because you're going to outgrow them. Uh, making sure you know the surface you're playing on. If you're on Gen 1, Gen 2, nowadays mostly Gen 3 AstroTurf, or if you're on a field that has a lot of ruts in it, make sure you have the right gear and that you're wearing tibial uh, guards, shin guards if you play soccer. I just had a guy who was playing soccer who's 74 who still has the results of his tibial fracture when he was 30 coming to see me when he was 74. <laughs> and um, he said he wasn't wearing shin guards in a recreational soccer game. Shin guards and a lot of these things that we have like in softball, like breakaway bases and stuff, were it really put in place for proper reasons after multiple research studies that we did. Most people will go based on their experience, their empiric, don't do that. You know, we spend our whole life studying this. You know, ask us, uh, we do this 24 seven, it's free. You can ask us anything you want. And we put all these prevention programs in place for a reason, because we have long range epidemiology studies to prevent injury, not just treat it. And so we're interested in preventing stuff as well. Doctors go into medicine to help people regardless of what happens. And we try to prevent things as much as possible. So just take the simple advice, stick with that, and you'll have a lot less injuries. Is there a misnomer or a myth about ankles that, that you like to dispel when you hear them? Oh, there's a lot of misnomers. People say <laughs> that you know, after uh, ankle sprains don't need to be treated, you know, operatively ever, or, you know, that they ask they didn't know we can replace ankles that I do ankle replacements or that, you know, things like that or cartilage transplants. First of all, don't be afraid to ask anything and don't be afraid to go to the doctor. Uh, phobias are difficult to resolve, but um, you know, be open-minded. Don't be biased. I would say those are the misnomers is don't be predetermined on what's going to happen. And just because something presents itself in your ankle, it could be your back. You could have a spine issue also. So we look for lumbar spine issues. We look for peripheral neuropathy, syndromic, issues and it's not that mysterious to us who generally do this on a daily basis all right well i appreciate you taking the time doctor um hopefully we uh this uh, podcast sticks around we can have you back on again another time i really appreciate it thanks again i look forward to seeing everybody else's podcast too all right thanks a lot doc thanks bye-bye take care that brings this episode of no one go to a close we want to offer a final thanks to dr nicholas sabidi for being our guest and a thank you to any of our listeners so far no One Go is currently available on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. If you listen to us on any of those platforms, please rate and subscribe. We build No One Go using Anchor. Visit the show's home at Anchor by visiting anchor.fm slash no go pod. That's K-N-O-W, no. This site will be a primary hub for our listener participation with this show. That's where you can leave us a voice message and suggest a topic or ask a specific question that you'd like an expert to answer. Don't want to jump right to the voice message? You can also email me at editor at sportsstarsmag.com or tweet us at at sportsstarsmag or at sportsstarspods. Please be sure to follow both accounts for all of our latest guest announcements and updates. Each of our episodes also get their own dedicated page on Sports Stars Magazine's web home, sportsstarsmag.com. You can stream the episode there or find links to the various other platforms. That's also where you can find episodes of our other podcasts, Sports Stories, which begins the second season soon, and Seven Friday Night, a football-only show set for its second season in August. 
Our cover art was designed by myself using a photo taken by James K. Leash. Our theme music was produced by Dustin Phillips. He performs in multiple bands in the Sacramento area, including an awesome cover band called Popular Demand. Thanks again for listening and look for our next episode later this month.